souls who are on their healing journey. This is Malarimsha. We're here to speak our truth with radical vulnerability. We look forward to sharing the most profound insights we have picked up along the way and provide you the tools in living your most abundant and joyful life. We're so excited you're joining us on our journey. Releasing ourselves from religious domestication was probably the most, the hardest and the most gut-wrenching experience of my life. And I know that to be true for you and for a lot of people. Yeah. So the intention of this episode is um, not to pursue anybody to leave their religion um, or any organization that they're part of. There's a space for it all and there's a reason for it all. This is just our own personal experience and what it took for us to let go of uh, those versions of ourselves and completely being zapped out of our reality to step into our truth and our soul path and what it took. And that meant, you know, part, you know, watching ourselves die completely and being reborn and also letting go of a lot of your family and friends behind and stepping into this path uh, of what felt like loneliness for a long time. Yeah. And it's good to know the why. Like, why? Why? Why would you leave? that like what brought you to that point to question it and to feel like you didn't feel like you were a part of it anymore or wanted to be a part of it especially when that's your whole family your friends your everyone around you is a part of that like it's just a fascinating story to know like yeah how we even get there yeah yeah. for me personally Mm -hmm. so I grew up in Pakistan and you know it's primarily Muslims it's a beautiful religion But I felt like growing up that everybody's going like this direction and I'm going completely opposite direction. I felt um, this deep connection with God, but not necessarily this, you know, quote unquote God that we were taught to believe. There was so much shame, so much fear, like God, you know, the the way they even say it's like you do things out of fear for God. You do this out of these some some of the lowest vibration on earth. You do this for those reasons. And I just, I never felt it. Even as a kid, I just felt love in my heart from this source. And I couldn't quite, you know, understand a lot of things that I was raised with. But even though those things were there as even when I was a kid, what really made me question everything was that the first man who was teaching me the book, the holy book, was also sexually assaulting me. So I didn't know what was happening, but what I do know was that every day, every time that he was teaching me, he would take me behind this fountain in my grandparents' home to do whatever he was trying to do with me and had done was I had cried so much. And I was, I, I believe I was eight years old. I cried so much, and yet I did not know if it was right or wrong. I couldn't, I just, I just knew something did not feel right. And and the pain that was associated with, you know, and this is a man who was, who was, was hired to teach me and the word of God, this book. So like you can imagine, I remember being like zoned out. I would get beaten so many times with this man because by this man because I just could not pay attention to what he was saying. And everything, the book is written in Arabic. So I know how to read Arabic. I don't understand it. And I would just read mindlessly and numb completely numb you know i mean there's this is a whole episode on sexual empowerment and so- sexual sovereignty that i don't want to dive into and i'm very thankful for that experience you know full disclosure 
But you can imagine like the person who's teaching you the word of God of what you would feel despite the fact that every day, you know, we're praying five times a day. All you hear is the word of the God all the time, every way. I was around really, I mean, I don't think I was ever around people who weren't religious, you know, and, and I understood why as well. They needed it. They needed a place to fall back onto because we dealt with constant violence and uh, feeling so unsafe and not having enough food not having clean water not having not just not having anything of enough you know and not having enough resources so i understood the value of faith but everything in my being could not feel like that these obligations is what provokes this this great spirit to love me I knew in my bones that I was loved just by being. Otherwise, this being had wouldn't have given me this life. You know, so my journey of really like start questioning things started very, very, very early on. Mm. And I will never forget, like I was, I think it was really, really, it was raining outside. My brother and my dad were like laying on the bed and we're like watching the rain. And I asked them, like, I want to be basically kind of like the priest version of Islam. And I asked him, like, this is what I want to do. I think I need to do this. I was so interested in the, in religious studies. Uh, well, more than I wasn't interested in religious studies. I was, I was interested in the truth. Mm. And I felt like that was the way. And, and I asked, like, if I can do that, you know. And they said, no, you can't because you're a woman. And that alone was like, just sucked the life out of me. You know, I really felt like I did not matter in my religion because I was born a woman, you know. And and I know in the book itself, there's so much empowerment for women. But me as a little girl in Pakistan and the rules that were imposed on me because of a woman, it just felt like even as something as small as when I'm bleeding, I'm not allowed to pray. That is the time I'm most connected to the divine. I know that. I knew that always in my bones. I was like, that is the time I need to sit on that mat and open my, this portal to God and speak and ask for whatever my heart desires. And that was the time I was not allowed to step into the mosque and I couldn't pray. You know, so though all those questions were there, but beyond like the actual log logical reasoning was knowing in my bones that I will never let go of faith and my trust in God. And yet at the same time, religion this has got to be some bullshit somebody came up with <laughs> like that was coming up pretty early on and you know that same day my parents like you know my brother was like well if Rimsha can't do it I can do it and you know what he's walking that path as I speak he's still walking that path you know which is so incredible and he's doing incredible work I'm so proud of him uh, but you know that little girl at the moment was it was a lot for me to hear that oh my brother my little brother can but I can't because I am a woman I am a girl you know, and that was really difficult. But those truths kind of just, it just kept amplifying as I grew older. And also my spiritual experiences, the way I would visit, would be visited by angels. And the way I was being communicated constantly made me believe like that. I just feel like the book is telling me one thing. My parents are telling me one thing and my angels are telling me another thing. There's something, something here. And I, I could not ignore the angels, even though they were just, they came in spirit forms or in voices and that there were light ones and also dark ones. But there was so much communication from the source itself. And I think that was the gift to me was that, you know, there's this deep desire for truth. And this is not for me to say that what I'm about to tell, share is the truth. What I am saying is this is my truth that I needed to let go of everything that made me who I was until up until I was 25 years old, you know, and 
what you know shifted the the biggest shift that happened in my life was in college freshman year of college i found this book it was called past many lives many past and just seeing the title just triggered me right so i questioned religion for a long time but i didn't like i didn't take any action towards it. i was still praying five times a day i was still fasting i still you know every time i still did the prayers that i usually do and this was my life was but we believe in heaven or hell. We believe this is it. And then there's an end. And this title alone is saying like, no, you've been told a lie. And I knew it was a lie too. I just didn't want to be confronted with logic. It wasn't, I didn't want to be confronted with actual examples and stories of people like myself out there. I had been confronted with a lot of past life stuff. Like I had past life version of myself who had visited me. And that scared the shit out of me. Because I did not want to believe. I did not want to be shunned by my family. I did not want to be... The, the one person walking against the green because I saw what would happen to people who are kicked out of their tribe. I saw how they were treated with shame, guilt, like God forbid you don't believe in God. <laughs> God forbid you don't believe in God. You belong in hell. Well, guess, guess fucking what? I'm already living in one. I was miserable. I was miserable. I felt like anything that I would do that was, you know, outside of those lines was that I was a sinner. And every time, you know, when you're believing you're a sinner you're gonna attract really interesting things in your life and it's going to keep confirming like yeah yeah you are you're evil you're you're a sinner and that kind of concept like that belief kind of perpetuated in my relationships where i saw everybody as this beautiful being and but myself so everybody my own partner as a lighthouse but myself couldn't see my own light because i trusted like well, I guess if I, if I can't keep lying to myself about this whole thing, then I guess I'm a sinner and I guess I'm going to hell. And it's okay because apparently I'm getting practice for it right here, right now anyway. Because my life just, it was just so draining. I mean, I, I don't know what, what was keeping me going. Well, I know what was keeping me going. But I read that book and that book was the first um, testimony of people who were awakened to many versions of themselves. And... It was he was a hypnotic, she was a hypnotic do doctor who would um, essentially was healing people by bringing them into these spaces and they were confronting their past lives and then they would go do research about those past versions of themselves and they would find themselves in history books so very very real but the thing is I didn't need the actual facts to know that that was true I already knew it I just was kept denying it for such a long time you know, and I didn't truly let go of the, the, the grasp of it until, you know, until my divorce, where I would just like anything that no longer serves me is fucking out of my life. I'm done. Anything that no longer serves me, anything that's no longer my truth, I am I am done with it. It is it is over with. And that meant part of that was also that. But what I realized was that even though I let go of the religious you know the the titles that meant losing a lot of people and my my relations some of my relations were built around this this religion and even though I left it you know this story is really about my return to it and before I dive into it I would love for you guys to hear Melinda's story because she also walked very similar path and I want to add a note to that that you know, if, especially if you're, if you're from Europe or Canada or United States, like we live in a free, on a free land, but there's 
among that, you know, on that free land, there's no one more, I would say, slaved or domesticated than the Mormons themselves. Those were the people when I came to this country that I'm most related with. They're the most kindest, sweetest, amazing, giving. They work so hard to give. They work so hard to be good people. Same as us, same as Muslims. They work so hard to give, to live in service, but not without the price of their own lives, not without self-sacrifice constantly in their, their needs, of their own bodily needs. They don't even drink coffee. What? Thank you all my prayers. But anyways, on that note, I really want you guys to hear her story because before I dive into my own return back to my own religion. Okay. So, yeah, I was raised in Mormonism or the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. They call it now. They kind of changed it a little bit. But, um, yeah, you know, my upbringing, I had a really happy childhood and life. I thought it was really good. I was, I felt loved. Um, I liked the activities. I liked, you know, like I was happy with it. And then I was married, had kids, and my husband started, um, some doubts were starting to unfold with him and articles that he had read, and he started diving in and doing research. And so that's kind of where it all started. Our little boy was two years old, we had a, well, or one years old, I don't know, at the time. And, you know, his thing was he's a truth seeker too, just like you. But it matters to him. And so he, and he didn't want to get any information out of context, so he would just read everything you know, if there was a paragraph of something he heard, he's like, I have to read the whole book and make sure that it's not out of context. So he read everything church related. Um, he, you know, on the church website, like just everything to really try to learn about it. And so for me, the things that I would notice were just things that I didn't feel good about, like just the fact that like women kind of seemed like second class citizens in it. Um, they couldn't hold like the high callings or just everything was like the man was always in charge. Like they had to get final permission from him and, and just, it was, it just got kind of confusing and there's just a lot of things that were confusing with it. And I just kind of would put it in a box, put it in a box. And, but the things that really were hard for me was just the exclusion, how it, they would exclude people. So I'm starting to see like women, Hey, this isn't like, it's not equal. It's not fair. And then, you know, them just saying like marriage is only between a man and a woman and seeing like, oh my gosh, seeing like a, a man or a boy, like love another boy or a man, love another man, whatever. Yeah. Um, just seeing that, like, why can't they love each other? Like I just come from the heart and I'm like, two people love each other. Like, why are we fighting against that? And if this man doesn't love another girl, why would we tell him he'd have to break a relationship with someone that he loves to not be because God said so? So like, it's just disconnecting. Like, I don't know. I just, I've always been really good at putting myself in other people's shoes to be like, how would I feel? Oh my gosh, that would be devastating. And so there was just so many different things and seeing how, you know, bishops could be alone with children talking about their worthiness and Yikes. talking about sexually explicit things to see if they were worthy, like to, you know, I don't know. And you're talking to these young kids and it's behind a, a closed door and it's a man talking about to a child about their sexuality and planting seeds, do you masturbate, things like this. It was just really disturbing things. And I'm just like, I just don't feel good about this. So when, you know, the people that were higher up, these bishops, state presidents, they're like, oh no, like this is God's plan. This is his one and only true church. I'm just like, I'm sorry, but in my gut, it just feels wrong. And so my issues weren't even with all the historical stuff, like my husband's, his was more all the history of it. He's like, it doesn't line up. Yeah. 
reading these different things, he's like, there's no proof of it. There's no this. And he's more scientific about it. And I just go to my heart. And yes. So mine was just like, it just doesn't feel right. And I don't want to have to jump through all these hoops. I'm just like, I think about like, gosh, for this God that I'm supposed to be worshiping, there's a lot of hoops you have to jump through Mm -hmm. for me to be able to get this eternal salvation. It's like, you can't do this. You can't do this. You can't do this. You got to do this. And it's like this thing where it's like, oh my gosh, like I just disappeared into this, like, it felt like just this tiny little box to me. And I didn't see it when I was in it. Truth was I was happy and I felt fine. But once I started stepping out and seeing like all these other people being excluded, you know, like, I'm like, oh my gosh, my heart goes out to them. And I'm like, I just can't be associated with any organization that is going to be so harsh and cruel to people that just don't fit in this little box. And I'm like, if I was a loving parent, I would love my kid no matter what. I would ask him questions. I would be curious. I would say, okay, what is it you love about this person? I would never tell my little boy, wait, you love all these things. This person brings you joy and makes you happy and you feel loved and you feel safe. Well, sorry, he's also a boy. So, (laughs) you know, and then what do I do? Have him cut off that relationship? Like, and what if it did start out as just a friend Mm -hmm. and they fell in love with each other? Like, why... Would I tell someone break that up? Like it's just, it's just wrong. And like that's the whole thing is to make it to the other celestial kingdom, you have to be a man and a woman have to be married. Like that's a big one. Like the thing kind of falls apart with just that one thing. If I'm saying like I can't sign up for this, it, yeah. it's just a lot. And I just don't believe in one size fits all. People are too different. They're too unique. And the thing is, is as soon as I stop like judging and like just talk to someone. You just sit down and talk to someone that's in these different relationships or going through different things. You just realize like, oh, okay, I can't judge this person. And the cracks, just all the cracks start falling apart. So I just, I couldn't be a part of that. I didn't want my name associated with it. I come from love and acceptance and I would love my kid no matter what. And the key thing you said that stood out to me was you didn't care about the historical stuff. It was the intuition and... Mm -hmm you know all religions historically they don't they don't care for your intuition they don't care for your inner knowing we are connected to the source to the god we you know this this cord that is connected to our mother and then our grandmother and then the great spirit is very real we we carry our lineage's wisdom we carry those prophets wisdom we carry wisdom of all beings on earth so we are being told do not listen to your inner knowing that's scary. So it's like, no, there is no self-empowerment. Here yeah. is a book. Follow it to the T. You break any rules. Well, you've got a balance. You have a you know balance going on, and it's a good or bad. And based off of that, you go to heaven or hell. And honestly, I believe in a balance. I believe in a balance there's there. And, but I think I'm con- in control of the balance. And I am actually the judgment, judger. Judger. I am the judge. The judge. English is hard. (laughs) The judge of that scale, you know, and the way that happens uh, in my at least, you know, realm is that what I put out comes back to me. So I really try to come from a place of love. Whatever I put out is going to come back in the same exact magnitude, if not more, you know, and I believe in energies. Of course, how can we deny energies? You know, I'm an energy healer. So when I'm being told like, well, so scientific even and and my you know my family freaks out by reiki because they feel it 
the one time I got permission to do Reiki on them, they felt it and it was scared them because we are dis being dismissed from our emotional body and our spiritual body. No, here's the fact to follow it because the fact was fact-checked by some dude back then. And also, like, there's this deep imbalance in the energies, right? We're talking about energies. Is that it's so masculine heavy. Same in Islam and I think every other religion. Women are in the back burners. You know, no wonder so many women are living their been in such a survival mode and being in their masculine because it's like that's the only way you're gonna make it through life well and that's like what's accepted right now and that's what they you know uh-huh and like god forbid you try to step into this divine feminine that says like i will surrender and trust and flow and i trust the universe and i trust the great spirit to guide me my path is beautiful trusting my energy and trusting a man that's another thing you have to do as a divine feminine is you have to trust your counterpart right this divine masculine then no they have a place on this earth to hold it down for us to be this anchoring grounding force to lead us in this life of absolutely like i it took so many years for me to come in terms with who i was born as i am born as a creator and we we take that as like well you're born as you got to bring a life and that's your purpose not as a you're born into this life to create as a god. It's so undermined what we do with mm -hmm. women literally turn formless into a form. Yeah. It is nothing to be underestimated. The the resilience and the fortitude that we have is as this species is like it's remarkable and not without the help of the masculine and seed. We are meant to work together. There is yeah. no hierarchy. We're not above or below, you know, and there's levels. Yeah, this is what was hard for me with it too, though, is it's like, yeah, it's so, we just talk about the masculine. We talk about God, God, God. And I'm like, why don't we talk about Heavenly Mother? Why don't we talk about Goddess? Like, it wasn't oh, yeah. just him. But the thing is, is that's, we teaching our kids this. And it's like, she just disappears. And I hear all these weird excuses of like, I've heard some really bizarre things of, you know, well, just listen, like people say, oh my God, or they'll, they'll swear, use his name in vain. And I'm like, okay, I'm pretty sure goddess is not that fragile. She's not a porcelain doll. She creates life. Women are strong. They're powerful. Mm -hmm. So I'm sorry, but that's just a cop-out excuse. I'm not buying it. And it's not okay. Like we, there, no wonder there's no equal balance. And the interesting thing is, you know, they would talk about like in the afterlife, they talk about how polygamy the Mormon church would do polygamy in the past. They've stopped doing that because the government came in and said it was illegal. Um, but they said that is very much going to be a practice in the afterlife. So when you die, there's going to be an afterlife and there's different levels of degrees of glory that you get to go in depending on how good and righteous that you are. Can't wait. Yeah. It's, yeah. <laughs> but the thing that was didn't make sense either is they would say, you know, well, women are, the reason we have to have polygamy is because women are more righteous than men. So there's going to be more women up in heaven so there's going to be less men, which is why there has to be polygamy. And then I'm like, okay, we got to, this starts getting very interesting because I'm like, all right. So on this life, I have to like basically veil my face, cover my face to the man and say like, yes to him. Like I have to go through my man as he goes through God. So I have a separation and barrier. I don't even get to go straight to God. Like he's the one that has to give the blessings. And yet I'm the one that raising my Ouch. children. Yeah. I'm the one that know my children. Yeah. I'm the one that they come to and say, mommy, 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 all day long to where it gets annoying to have that said a thousand times a day. 
But I'm like, but then he's the one that comes home from work and then he's the one that's giving him a blessing. Like I'm more in tune and intuitive. And you've told me I'm more of the righteous one because the women are sensitive. They're loving. That's why they're mothers. So like everything just breaks down for me. And it's like, it doesn't make sense. And then they're saying there's polygamy where, but it's like, then the woman should be the ones in charge. The men should be coming to the women. We should be giving them permission. We should be the one giving these blessings and things. It's Mm -hmm. just, it just doesn't make sense. I'm like, sorry, but my heart of heart, I can't just stay in this box because my parents told me to and because they believe it and because their parents did. I love them. I can see where they're coming from, from their perspective, but I'm like, I just, it just doesn't make sense. And I trust myself and I feel like, well, at least this feels more loving than the way that they're going about doing it. Mm-hmm. I don't make my children jump through hoops. I don't make the gay community, the the outliers, the anyone, like I don't, I don't make them jump through yeah, hoops to be worthy to love them. I just right. love them. Like, mm-hmm. isn't that what a loving God would do is have unconditional love and acceptance and allow us space to figure out who we are. And the teaching, that's what was hard. The teaching, we're all like, no, you need to listen to the prophets. The prophets know best. There's songs about the prophets. Like, why aren't we talking about trust yourself, trust your intuition? Mm -hmm. It's all within. None of it was. It was listen to them, Mm -hmm. do what we say. You'll be blessed for it. I'm outsourcing my power. I'm disconnected from myself. I mean, I can go on and on and on of why it makes no sense to me and how unhealthy and scary it is and red flags. And I'm like, I, I don't want to teach my kids that. Yes, I agree. There's some great things in Mormonism. The people are amazing. Yes. They sacrifice. They serve. They give almost everything. They give their money. Mm-hmm. They give their time. And because they care, they just want to be right in the sight of God. Yes. But it's like this hamster world. They spend so much time But there's so much self-sacrifice. And they're just dying. Like it's, and that's the word sacrifice. And you know, it's these like kind of negative words. And I'm like, should be fun and enjoyable and loving and connective. And we don't teach them that they weren't, I wasn't taught to connect with myself and trust myself. It was literally outsourcing everything. And I just completely disconnected from myself. I was Mm -hmm. numb. I disappeared. I didn't know how to feel feelings. I wasn't taught any of these life skills that I've been learning through anyone that's not Mormon. But yet I was taught that the Mormon church was the one and only true church. And yet I have found more profound insight and life-changing experiences from everyone on the outside of it that's got me to this inner peace that I never felt my entire life. So it's like, there's just something there. <laughs> yeah. So anyways, that's... Yeah, and I feel like there's this bigger agenda on hand as well, right? Like I, I talk a lot about light and dark and this like this, uh, this balance that we need to have. And I think there is a choice that you make there. And that dark, what it feeds off of is fear, shame, and guilt. And what it does is, and I see that in the, in the politics... I see then religion in a way, the way we, the this, this specific things that we dismiss, which is pleasure, right? Self-pleasure is like the biggest no-no, right? You're going to hell straight up. Like, God forbid you want to have sex before marriage. I mean, it's so bad. And I can understand the health factors. I can understand the, but I mean, we, we talk about sex. It's a whole different episode. So many but There's so many things to talk about. Yeah. I know. But what I was seeing is that, I want to go back to like like plant medicines like and basically the way it's written is that anything that's mind altering like that's a no 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 and it's like what if it's not instead of mind altering it's mind expanding Mm. you know maybe that's the fear maybe the fear is like oh my god they will know the truth 
and they will leave the tribe and they will leave, you know, won't follow, right? Mm -hmm. the, the desire is to follow. And I do believe we need followers on earth. So a lot of us are created that way to find what aligns with us and, and keep the world evolving, right? Well, revolving. And then there's some of us who need to walk against the grain to help the world revolve and shift differently. Something needs to shift so that the planet can heal. And right now it is in complete fucking chaos. It's in deep like imbalance of the masculine and the feminine. You know, there's so much femininity that's suppressed. Like that is... Part of our purpose is to, you know, heal the divine feminine. And what that, when I say the divine feminine, I don't mean women necessarily. I mean the feminine energy that exists in all beings on earth. You know, you look at men and the, half the reason why they're struggling and at, are at war is because they are so disconnected from their womb and their hearts. They're so disconnected from their emotions. They're told that this right here, this box on top of your your eyeballs is what you really need to use to get to where you are. And there is a place to use that mind, but not without without dismissing the rest of your being, the rest of your wisdom, you know, and your emotions. You see little boys cry, it's like the most beautiful thing in the world. Right? My partner's son, when I see him cry, it just makes my heart melt. Because it's like, thank you for crying and feeling your feelings because you're healing the planet single-handedly. Mm please keep going, right? Like we dismiss those emotions. That is the feminine. The feminine is like the emotional body. I don't mean the tears. I mean the emotional body, right? This deep intuitive wisdom that's connected to all beings on earth. We're like walking mushrooms as I see. Like mm -hmm. our mycelium system is like connected to all of us. We have access to so much and yet we are told here are these parameters and here's what we're going to teach you. And, and our parents, like, God bless them. But they, they do their best. And they do the same thing. They domesticate. And our journey has been about just peeling those layers of domestication. And the domestication we have posed in ourselves over the years, right? Some beliefs that we carry on about ourselves. Our orientation, where we grew up, what we believe in. Our religion, our culture, and our tribe, and our workforce. All of those things, like, just put all these layers of domestication where we forget the core of who we are, that we are godly. We're connected to the source. And it was coming to me today and I'm like, how can you best explain what this great spirit, I don't even like using the word God, right? And it's just a title, it's just a word. It has frequency, of course, like Allah, Jesus, or whatever you want to call it. For me, it's the great spirit. And I feel like if all beings on earth, including animals and and then all the organisms just melted, including rocks and mountains. It would be all clay. We are made of the same shit. Mm -hmm. If we're all melted, it would be just all the clay. And that clay, and you mm -hmm. design it to something beautiful, that's God. That runs as all of us. You know, you meet people, and even people that I meet, that I'm like, my God, I can't, I can't stand being around them. I know that they're still a walking God's consciousness. God is experiencing itself through all beings on earth. And that doesn't, for me, it's not just love and just positivity. It's actually a spectrum of all of it, the, all the gray area. You know, and I think that's the beauty of it. God needs to experience, the great spirit needs to experience his own light. And the way to do it is to be around God, darkness. It needs to know the difference. You know, and, and I think there's so much power in that because we as individuals also carry that 
you know, the dichotomy of this love is that <laughs> there's also a lot of hate. And you get to choose it where you feed into it, you know. And at least these are the beliefs that we have our understanding right now. And may, and they may evolve. And that's actually okay. Yeah. That we may, you know, expand our minds as we grow, keep growing. And, and when I become a mother, that's going to change for me. And this is like a, a deep desire for me, like very recently, where I'm like, oh my God, my womb is so alive. And the more alive my womb is, the more I feel deeply connected to Mother Earth and I see how alive she is. And the more I see how alive she is, I see how alive whatever belly that we're, we are inside. You know, this, there's, there's many planets on this Earth. There's many universes on this Earth, on this, in this universe. And like, there's so much out there. We're in, inside the belly of it all. And I love all aspects of it. And I get to be part of it, you know, and I get to bring this from lesson to form. And it's so incredible versus being told, you know, that's such an empowering way of viewing my life versus well, you can't do anything else. You're weak and you have to stay at home and, you know, take care of children and give birth. Like, no, that's a freaking honor. You know, that's an honor. And also I can do it all. I can do it all. I love it. Yep. It's so beautiful. <laughs> yeah. So you were sharing with me a little bit before this, how some feelings were coming up with your family. Do you want to talk more about, about yeah. that? And cause that's yeah. a really big part of this and it's, yeah. it, it's hard. It's hard to talk about and to own and realize like, gosh, it's really sad that, that this is kind of what happens when you're trying to figure out yourself. Mm -hmm. You're simply just trying to figure out yourself, figure out what works for you and you're realizing this isn't working for me right now. Maybe you come back to it. Maybe you don't. Like you're just, you know, and it's beautiful. You're like being brave and courageous. You're stepping out of the box. And yeah, it is just kind of sad how family can get so attached and trying to keep you in the box because of their fear. And that's yeah. another thing that I realized like, oh, there's something off with this. Anywhere where I feel like something is trying to lead, trying to lead through fear or yeah. guilt or shame, that's already so many red, red flags to me. I live my life and the people I'm around and things I do, if they inspire me, then that's what I'm about. I want to inspire other people. I don't want to guilt and shame or control. Yeah. Either it works for you or it doesn't, um, but it should be inspiring. So I want you to talk yeah. about kind of what you're facing right now with the hardships with family, with what you're doing. Yeah, this is the longest I haven't talked to my family uh, ever and the last time I talked to my mother, it was really rough because somebody in my family took screenshots, photos. I shared a post about sobriety. You know, that's a whole episode on its own. My relationship with alcohol, I'm so thankful for it. Thank you, alcohol, for teaching me what you did and also goodbye. I made a beautiful goodbye to my relationship with alcohol. And I was sharing my two years of sobriety, you know. And they took the parts that felt like that could put me in shame and... And every other thing they could find on my social media. My social media is open for a reason because it's fucking scary for me. But my, my part of my purpose on earth is to speak my truth and living that truth and, and inspired through that truth. And, and they, you know, shared it all over Pakistan and my family here. And my mom was just like, why don't you just give me poison and just kill me? Because how do I face these people, the shame and guilt? And it's like, look at those people who are saying those things about your own daughter. Those are also people who self -sabot who sabotage you and the family. One's looking at that, and then two, um, guess what? I'm allowed to make mistakes. 
whoever's out there like trying to figure out your journey you are so allowed to make mistakes and quite frankly i have no regrets for everything that i've done in my life they were all happy accidents and they were so important for my journey for who i am and i love who i am i love who i'm becoming i love everything that i've become through this journey i'm so thankful so it's really disheartening you know and i we're and we're forgetting that we're still human beings in fact it's important that i make mistakes and i hope that i keep making mistakes so that i can learn and grow you know that's where my that's where i push my edges and figure out who i am what do i care about you know those are the happy mistakes that brought me here where i am in life where i feel such a deep joy in my my existence and you know i and after my you know i shared about my bufo uh, ceremony and after that i was i cut those cords with my mother it's like thank you for bringing me onto this earth and also you can let go now you can let go you don't have to feed me anymore the way you used to in your belly you don't have to take care of me i am safe and if this is your version you this is your way of protecting me then let it go i'm so safe i'm so sound and you know and and i had to come in terms with the fact that it's okay if they never get to that place because my purpose is so much bigger than my own self and her and our family and our religion and this own world is so much bigger than that you know we really we truly matter we're so insignificant and so significant at the same time that is the dichotomy of existing on planet earth you know this is the planet of bringing in balance you know and experiencing all spectrums of of it all spectrum stuff of it of it all you know so uh, embrace your grief as much as your joy and so that has been really challenging for me and um also beautiful to see how strong i've been standing yes it affects me deeply and also my behavior despite of it is like so sovereign and i'm really proud of that i do want to you know go into thank you for asking that question made me a little uncomfortable to respond to but <laughs> it was necessary because i'm sure so many of you experience um not being seen by your own blood family and if you're not seen by your blood family you try, it's okay if you never are but know that there's a soul family out there you know and and we come through these blood family we need to Oops, sorry, Leia. We have a little <laughs> dog next to me. So cute. You know, we have a soul family out there, and Melinda is such a huge part of my soul family. As if like meeting her was like we are made off this, made up of the same uh, piece of cloth. Like just there's a, this is a leather of soul. <laughs> Cut it up, and like she was one, and then I was one, and I came here 15 years later. <laughs> I was late to the train, and and those people are out there for you, who are waiting for you just as much. You know, so you don't have to. You're you're seen, and they're they're waiting for you out there. Um, I do want to go into my journey um to Saudi Arabia. It, it is a very unique, you know, journey, and um I want to talk about it because even though we've been talking about letting go of religious um domestication, my journey is actually quite interesting because it's been about returning back to Islam on my own terms. So a few months ago, my father asked to go to Saudi Arabia for Umrah which is uh, for those of you who don't know it's like pilgrimage and you literally like it, unless you're a Muslim you can't you can't go there it's such a 
powerful, such a holy place. And my father asked me, so I could not say no. He doesn't ask me for anything. And him and I have done so much healing work, like, and I'm so proud of that work that I've done. I bet that's also what it is. Like, I just hate my mom, my, my daddy issues. My mom issues are starting. <laughs> so we're going to be okay too, mom. If you're listening, we're going to be okay. I love you. So my father asked me to come with him and it was a whole family and we all went. And to give you a little bit of context, you know, we all Muslims on earth worship five times a day and we all worship facing the same you know house of god and it feels like this place is located in the middle of earth and i needed to know for myself that now that i've decided to step away from this honestly i was at a point where i had so much judgment and i so forgive myself for the part of me that was judging my own self and the people who was following blindly i mean for i mean i was a kid of course i was going to follow blindly for the time that I did but I do forgive myself for the times that I you know shut off my own truth and followed blindly and I and I love my friends and family for those because I understand the purpose of religion um, but I came in there with a little bit of judgment like oh boy what is this gonna be like and because I already had a story convinced in my mind about this place but I was the first one to start tearing up when I got there because as a highly sensitive person, the truth cuts right through me. And I felt it all through my soul. The moment I entered, just saw that house, you know, this, this black square house, I cried and I cried and I understood. I understood the great spirit. I understood because I'm like, these people aren't wrong. It's kind of like the, the story of Babel, right? The Tower of Babel. Goodness gracious. There's a story in, in, in Bible about this tower, basically where people are communicating the same thing but using different words. And I felt that. I felt like we're all just facing the truth. We all know the truth. We're all worshiping to the truth. We're all... It just the only thing missing is self-empowerment because we're asking something outside of us. We're like praying, God, please give me peace. We're asking for peace outside of us when it's like, I am worthy of peace. I am peace. And and standing in that truth, in the sovereign truth, you know, that's that's a problem. However, you is I go getting there, Mel, and just like circling around this, you circle, I think like seven times, and then you circle the Oscars of it. It is such an incredible ex yes. such an incredible experience. Because I could see the vortex. I could see how there's not a moment in the lifetime of the house of Gaba, this house of God, where not there's not a person circling around it. So you can imagine for for thousands of years, there is pe there are people mm. circling around and praying, praying and asking, forgiving and 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 just I mean I saw people in their eighties and nineties, people in their wheelchairs still doing it people carrying their partners on their back doing it you know their mothers their fathers i mean it is so powerful there's nothing more powerful than a prayer and there's nothing more powerful than a prayer done together with thousands of people i didn't know when it was 3 a.m 4 a.m i mean like we never know the concept of time because we were in a vortex of blessing continuous blessing it was so healing for me and it was so powerful for me to see you know, I got to like forgive my parents, but I understood why why they followed this. 
because there is power in this and while i don't believe in everything that is imposed on me no power on earth can take this away from this experience and my relationship with islam because my relationship with islam is my relationship with faith and my relationship with faith is my relationship with the great spirit which is so much bigger than all of us and if i want to wear a bikini i'm gonna wear a bikini and if i want to believe in heaven or hell i'll do it but nobody can take that away from me. The fact that I believe in God, this great spirit that I felt in my fucking bones coursing through me as all was walked around it, around it. And I prayed and prayed and now I got to realize like how powerful this place is. Now think about five times a day, every single day, forever, for as long wow. as humanity lives, people face to this direction could you imagine that the, the electrod that this magnetic field of power of prayer there's this house of kaaba people of all walks of life they wake up at the same time and they face down and they bow down they touch their their third eye to the ground and say god is great how can i take that away from people because god is great i say that every day myself <laughs> when i sit in meditation i may not pray the same way but I sit in the medit meditation saying the same exact thing. God is so great and so magnificent. And guess what? Not separate from me. Not outside of me. You know, when I see it, I can see this electrical light force circling around this, creating this vortex and coming from all directions. That is the power of prayer. I could not deny it in that moment. And then we went to Prophet Muhammad, you know, he's considered the last prophet on earth. And I don't know that. I don't know that. You know, but I'm told like I cannot be a Muslim if I don't believe in that. Well, I don't know that. What I do know is that when I got to his home, I was like, hey, homie, everybody's just standing and crying and like bowing down and praying. There were so many women crying. Oh, my God. Violent, like trying to get into his house was like, craziest experience of my life being pushed like no we need to go in it's like whoa we are at the house of god i stood on the stood on the sidelines and i said listen homie you what? i know that you brought the the word of god and i know i do too and i know all of us do in our own ways but tell me the truth do i belong here am i doing the right thing i know you're a good person i know you're a good lad i feel it you've done incredible things on this earth you brought great wisdom on this earth and great hope to these people am i doing the right thing and it was i like kid you not my body just went like i felt like this electricity went from my heart like just this full body yes you're good stay on your path and after that when i felt it i said can you please encode your consciousness within me i am inviting you in by the way you can do that could totally do that i've done that with jesus christ i've done that with mary magdalene they're part of me because i've welcomed them in they're all part of all of us you know there's uh, sorry i shouldn't say jesus is not returning what i do know i don't know about his return and all that stuff but what i do know is that he's in you know his spirit's consciousness is, is encoded in all of us it's all about switching the button switching just just asking for it like hey let it be it let it be activated and what you will experience is actually full compassion. That mm. is what he was here to teach. Compassion and love. That's it. There was no judgment in his bones. And acceptance. And acceptance. That was the same for Prophet Muhammad. Nothing but love and acceptance and deep compassion. Mm. And the remembrance of why we're here. How could that be wrong? How could that be wrong and separate from us? 
and what we're saying, you know? And I really felt it. And I remember, here's the funny thing, because my family was still like, Rimsha, oh my God, just can you please pray to God? Just ask for forgiveness. You're crazy. Because I was still being my crazy self. You know, I was still having trying to have fun. <laughs> Everybody was very serious, but I was still trying to be a goofy self. And after that prayer, when I asked Prophet Muhammad to encode his consciousness within me, my, my, my parents were like, why is there so much nur on your face? Nur means light. They could not even deny it. And, you know, I almost wanted to change my name to Noor because I felt it. I felt so much freedom. I no longer felt like Rimsha. So, you know, whenever I have my daughter, I want to name her Noor, oh, wow. you know, and Noor means the, the divine light. Oh, that's perfect. Like they all were like, why is there so much Noor on your face? You know, which is like this, this deep peace, this divine light that's coarse, that just like you're shining. And after that day, I could, I could just tell people just like looking at me, you know, because I understood, you know, I understood the power of this Prophet Muhammad, how incredibly, incredible he is, and may peace be upon him, and how I, I felt his power within me. And yet I knew at the same time I wasn't wrong. The message was clear, keep going, keep going. And I got to finally got the validation that I needed. Mm -hmm. Like, thank you. I thought I was wrong, and I thought I was evil, and I thought I was the devil, and I thought of oh, breaking all these all these rules and regulations from this book and diverging myself from this book meant that I was a sinner, that I was willing to be a sinner to live a good life on earth. And the word that came to me was like, keep going, you're on the right path, mm. you know. And to wrap it up, I have two more examples to share, which was really interesting about religious domestication. At like, I think it was like 4 a.m. and we got the chance to like come really close to the God of, like touching the house of God is like really powerful. It's really hard to come close to it. I will have to maybe I can share some videos. I made some videos actually. So I'll ask our editor to put that in. Um, it's really, really like life and death to try to get to go, go touch the God, house of God because everybody's trying to just like touch it, touch this thing, this vortex, this electrical vortex. And I did many, many times and it was powerful. So we got a chance to like pray really close to it and I was so pumped. My mom was so excited and the moment the priest, the, the person who's supposed to lead the, the namaz, the prayer, he came up. He said all women to be pushed back out because only men can be in front of the house of God. So I was literally kicked out of the house of God. You, I was so pissed because that's where I knew, well, this is true. The humankind is flawed. That's when I knew no power on earth can take Islam away from me and my faith from me because the faith is truthful. For me, my relation with the Great Spirit is truthful. However, mankind is flawed because they kicked all women. My mom even tried to like pray because you're not supposed to touch a person who's praying. My mom like to try to pretend to pray so she would not be moved. They kicked us out of the house of God. That to me just was, yeah. I cannot even like tell you what it felt like. And I have more photos and videos. So I'll share that on here as well. It's really, was really, really disempowering that i as a woman am not allowed to be here to face god and pray because a man needs to be in front of me a man must be in front of me mm -hmm. and guess what i thought maybe maybe there was another reason i tried to really make up reasons for it and then there were some men who didn't want to part from their women so they like stepped behind the women they were like no no we'll just pray behind women and the those there were men who escorted those men out escorted english is hard god dang they escorted those men out of the corner and said, no, you're not supposed to be behind women. You're supposed to be always in front of women. 
Wow. Those men did not want to leave their sisters, their daughters, their mothers. So I know that most people on earth don't want this. Most people don't on earth don't see this, this imbalance. They don't want this. They want to be loved and accepted and worship God next to each other. You know, I, I saw that on hand, but then I saw that's where the story was, right? Like fate, great spirit is real. I was watching it all and humankind just wants equality and love and acceptance. But people in power, they don't. They don't. And that was a huge like affirmation of like, keep going again, keep going. This, this is, I don't need to believe in everything in the book because that to me right there is flawed. It's wrong. It's messed up. I'm literally kicked out of the house of God because I am not allowed to pray to the house of God unless I'm behind men. Mm. And that was huge for me. Yeah. And so I'm sorry, I'm like, keep going. But the last thing I want to share from this journey is that, of course, as you saw, there were positives and negatives and a lot more positive than negatives. But the last day of me being there, it was, I think, around 1 a.m. And we were there for prayer. And I was super tired and I was doodling with my thumb. And as again, as a highly sensitive woman, I asked myself, what can I ask for here? What can I, what can I ask for myself here as I leave this place? And the one word that came through was forgiveness, self-forgiveness. And I cried and I cried and I, you know, like there's so many ways to free yourself. And this was part, my huge part of my liberation was being in in this house of God and reclaiming my love for God. Because I was told if I don't do those things, I don't deserve love from God. And I got to reclaim it. I got to forgive myself. For all the times that I told myself that I was evil and unworthy of love. And because I thought I was unworthy of love from God, I felt unworthy of love from all beings on earth. And I put myself in really, really difficult situations. And I disrespected myself. I hurt myself. I built relationships with things and people that were no that were not serving my highest good, my highest form of love. And I got to sit in there and forgive myself. Got to forgive my ex-husband. I got to forgive my parents. I got to forgive all beings on earth that made me believe, that made me, that made me think that I was not enough. And that was such a life journey, life-changing journey, because self-forgiveness is really the most, probably one of the most profound experiences that you'll ever experience. You know, as as we go, and I think this is a you know a journey that you continuously go on because I'm I'm gonna continue to make mistakes and I hope I do and it's gonna be okay because I'm here to also be graceful with myself so that journey was incredible for me um we started this episode talking about um letting go of religious domestication um and really the story is about reclaiming my sovereignty in my faith and no power on earth can take that away from me no power on earth can take that away from me that's beautiful thank you for sharing that Thank you for listening to the Mel and Rimsha Her Story podcast. If you found value in our life experiences and shares, then please like, subscribe, and share this with your loved ones who may also benefit. Follow us on the socials at Mel and Rimsha. From our heart to yours, with love and gratitude, we will see you on the next episode.